Hello everyone, Ryan Bailey here and you're very welcome to episode number 27 of the Ball Talk podcast brought to you by our sponsor, Adapt Athletic Performance and Therapy. Head over to Instagram and make sure to give them a follow. The follow will be greatly appreciated. Just search at adapt underscore clinic and hit that follow button. This week's podcast guest is former Irish international Terry Phelan. Terry, of course, played in the glory days for Ireland back when we were making Euros and World Cups and whatnot. And of course, he would have played for Man City and Everton and Leeds and many teams throughout England. So this podcast is a bit of a, a career highlights and a trip down memory lane. And we'll see how Terry's getting on at the moment as well. He's living over in India. So I hope you enjoy the podcast and let's get straight into it. This is episode number 27. It'll be up this evening as well. So um, I'm here with Terry Phelan. Terry, thanks a million for coming on to the podcast. No problem at all. Thank you for having me on today. Of course, you're four and a half hours ahead over in India at the moment. How's uh, how's life uh, over there? Yeah, obviously with what's going on in the world with this virus, I'm sure it's the same as everywhere else. And you just have to live with it and get on with it. Obviously, if you know you you keep your social distancing and you, you're very aware of what's around you, and you keep your mask on, uh, whether it works or whether it doesn't work. But yeah, it, it's going all right. I'm just waiting for our uh, brand new academy at South United Football Club. Uh, to be finished off. Obviously, it was delayed a little bit, but we've still got uh, workers there. So that's only down the road for me. So really, it's just uh, sitting there, keep doing the coach education, keep the coaches engaged on uh, what they need to be doing when the academy does open. Brilliant, yeah. And exa- as you said there, it is a challenge. It's, it's been challenging for every business, every person in every line of work to, to mm. keep their, I suppose, keep their business in flight and going. But for yourself in the football sense, things of course, football is it's a you know it's a it's a it's a competitive it's on the field it's an on the field game. You need to be in that one to one space. So you've you've managed all right though over the last number of months. Well, it's been, listen, it hasn't been easy. It's been difficult. Obviously, you know you you, you try to find uh, content for your coaches all the time, uh, you know, and little projects for them uh, to to compete and do. And, and that's what we're trying to do with them, just to keep them engaged. It's very difficult. Any, any coach will tell you it's very difficult if you're not on the, uh, the green field. And, you know, you're, you're doing your training and you're coaching on the field uh, with your students. It, it does become a little bit monotonous, but what can we do about it? We just have to keep going. We just have to keep positive and hopefully uh, see how things go. Maybe the back end of this year or into the new year, hopefully things go well and we can get the, uh, the children themselves and the students back to school first get the confidence in the parents and then obviously uh, facilitate them coming onto the, uh, the, into the academy and onto the football field with our coaches. Exactly. So I'm just looking here, Terry, um, we'll jump straight into your international career with Ireland. So of course, about between about 40, 42, I think it is online officially appearances for the Republic of Ireland yeah. and you played at underage as well. So mm. I suppose it was, well, when you look back into the late 80s, mid 90s and even now, um, there's a lot of Irish players that are playing for the Republic of Ireland. They might not have the Irish accent, but you're still Irish. Um, I suppose if we just dive straight into your connections with Ireland, they're only out the road from yourself here in Curry. So you got in to play with the Republic of Ireland. Was it on your, your man's side of the family that you got to play with Ireland? Yeah, obviously, obviously on my mother's side was uh, Irish and, you know, we used to go over to Ireland all the time. Obviously, my mother had to come over to England for work reasons. And when they're younger, they come over, they leave the little uh, village of Tubbacurry and they, they want to go to the big city and the big lights of London and Manchester, you know, uh, and Liverpool. You know, and I'm, I'm sure there's many and many and many of, 
people from Ireland doing the same thing, still doing it now, you know, to tell you the truth. So, you know, uh, for me, it was always going to be playing for Ireland as a, as a young boy. You know, we didn't really see a lot of Ireland on TV then, obviously. Uh, but it was always it was always in my blood to play for Ireland. You know, whether I grew up in England, I still have Irish blood in me. And, you know, and, and, and I... <clears throat> I used to, we used to do a lot of travelling over to Ireland, you know, yeah. every holiday would be back in, back in Ireland, every holiday, so we never missed an holiday, you know, that was our treat, you know, getting the boat over uh, to Ireland, you knowing that boat for hours and hours and hours, <clears throat> the Irish Sea up and down, you know, so yeah. I remember it very well, and there was the exciting times of going over to Ireland, and obviously then getting the train up into uh, Sligo, so for me it was, it, it was wonderful, and you know, I know we, we, we haven't, we haven't got the accent, but deep down, I'm as Irish as, as probably yourself. Exactly, yeah. And you, so you came in to play with the underage system. So from what I've se- from what I've been researching, I suppose there's only a certain amount you can research. Um, the twenty 20- back in that day, you played with the twenty ones. So is that the yeah. first Irish team that you played for? No, no, I played for the youth team and all. I played for the, the U18s, yes. I played for the U18s, 21s, B, uh, obviously the B-side. Uh, they had a B-team then, believe it or not. So, you know, I went all the way through the ranks and I don't think people, uh, you know, do you know that? that I, I started off and just went all the way right through, like Niall Quinn, I think Dennis Irwin and all, Dennis Irwin, uh, John Sheridan, uh, they, was, they was there at that time. So, you know, we went, we went all the way right through. And obviously, you know, you had your scouts and the scouting system, they were keeping tabs on you. Obviously, I was playing for Leeds United at that time and all. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, <clears throat> obviously, when uh, Big Jack took over and he, and he knew life was at Leeds United, like Dennis, myself, John Sheridan, he just kept an eye out for us. But it took, a, it took me a, a wee bit, a few years to get into that, the, the national side. And so you're coming into the national, the national team, as you said, at under 18s level, under 21s, 23s. You have, you have the English accent and, of course... You were born. You were born in Manchester as well. That's right, is it? Yeah, yeah, Salford. In Salford. So, was there ever a barrier there that um, any sort of divide in in the camp from the Irish English lads, or was it just we're all here, we're all wearing the, the Irish badge on our on our crest, like, and we're all Irish? Well, well, if there was, I never heard anything. I never, heard, I ne- I've never heard anything. You know, in in the uh, the ten years I played for the. Uh, first team and all the years I played for the, uh, the, in the junior ranks and never heard one word. You know, football's football. It brings people together. It's like music at the end of the day. And, you know, we used to travel over to Ireland. You know, we was treated the same as everybody else. You know, we was treated the same as the lad who was probably born in Cork or uh, Dublin, you know, or Limerick or Shannon. We was treated the same as them. It was no different. We had a laugh. We had a crack. But it was never one bit of animosity towards us or towards them. Don't forget, I mean, we spent all our times in Ireland as young kids. That's, that yeah. was our holidays. Was it going to, was it going to Spain or Italy? Like, you know, it was going to Ireland and digging the bog and things like that. And, yeah. you know, eating the Irish soda bread and sitting around the big open fire with the, you know, the pot of, uh, you know, rabbit stew on. That's, that's what I grew up. And, you know, and I'll always remember it. So, uh, Ireland will always be me out. One day I'm hoping to go back to Ireland and maybe take my experience back to Ireland. So for me, we never had no trouble at all. It was fun, it was engaging, and the people was, was absolutely beautiful. I've, I've my sister's living in Ireland at this present time, and my me, me cousins are all in Ireland. So, yeah. you know, if I wasn't probably playing football and travelling a lot, I'd probably be living in Ireland now myself. 
I think it, that's the side of things that a lot of people don't see. They just they, they see that there's Irish players that are that have the English accent that were born in England, but they're obviously have relatives in Ireland, which allows them to play for Ireland. But a lot of people don't see that connection that you have, as you've just told us there. I think it's something that a lot of people need to, I suppose, instead of judging a player because oh he's playing with he's playing with Ireland just to get on the international team, like you know, like to yourself, you've got genuine connections, like. Well, yeah, cool. Well, of course we have. You know, I, I had my, my Irish passport from when I was a young boy. Never had an English passport. No disrespect to anybody here, but listen, we're all human beings. We're all people. You know, we've all got we've got, all got a heart. And if I'd have decided to play for Ireland through my mother, then that's the that's the best thing I could have done. I could have played for England, but I decided to play for Ireland. And you know, uh, I was playing for Leeds United at the time as a young boy. Uh, doing my trade at Leeds United, it wasn't my fault. I was born in, in England. <laughs> if I was born in Ireland, I might not have had the opportunity to go and play for, uh, to go and play for so, sorry, Leeds United. I might not have had that opportunity, to tell the truth. So it, it, it swings in roundabouts. And, you, you know, you've got to give and take. But, you know, I've never had any trouble. I've never had anything at all regarding, you know, not having an Irish accent. My blood it, it runs green. So, you know, you... You can take, uh, you know, the, the lad out of Ireland, but you can never take the island out of the lad. So yeah. that's the way I see it. Was there ever, as you said there, so in your, in your I suppose, your, your youth days playing with Leeds and you went on to play with Wimbledon, Everton, City, all them teams. Was there ever a stage when, uh, when you were playing underage with Ireland that an England, uh, England call-up was on the cards, maybe going to play for their underage teams? Was ever mentioned to you by any coaches or anything? It, I mean, it was, yeah, but my, my, listen, to tell you the truth, I was only going one place and, you know, and that was over, over the water uh, to Ireland. I wasn't, I wasn't playing for anybody else. I told my mother that when I was 12, 10, 12, 13 years of age, you know, if I'm going to play for anybody. And that, the question was asked, who do you want to play for? And, you know, when you sat there in front of all your uncles and your aunties, and they're all Irish, and you go, oh, uh, England no disrespect, then there might have been a little bit of, you know, animosity, but straight away I says, I says, Ireland, you know, for me, football was football, and at the end of the day, you're going out there, and you're just trying to give your all, and, you know, perform to your best ability, and hopefully please the crowd, whether it was at the youth level or the, the, the national level, but not one bit, and I'll, I'll state this, not one bit did I ever feel any animosity regarding myself, or any other players for that stint. Well on. Um... Just on, so, so as we mentioned before we came on to, we, we started recording there, uh, I mentioned about the future of Irish football. Um, mm. So, of course, when we look in the 90s, we look at USA 94, tournaments like that, there would have been a lot of players, the likes of yourself, playing with, with Wimbledon, City, Everton. You had like Dennis Irwin playing with United and McGrath playing mm. with United and Villa. You went through the Irish team and the majority of the squad was playing top flight football. I suppose maybe the last 10 or 11 years, we've had, we've had quite a number of players playing the championship, maybe the odd player in League One. And now we can, we're looking at an Irish team that you've got the likes of Matt Doherty playing for Wolves on his way to Tottenham by the looks of things. Um, players playing for Brighton, Newcastle, Burnley, playing first-team football, Sheffield United too. Do you think the success, a bit more success coming to the Irish team because of the standard the players are going to be playing at? Well, listen, 
don't forget when I first went into the Irish team uh, and we played against Hungary way back then and I went into the obviously the dining room you know I seen superstars sat there you know players who played for Manchester United Liverpool Arsenal Tottenham you know uh, Manchester City Everton you know you, you, you can go on and on and on you know uh, and then you had the, the lads who had come in, obviously, who played up in Celtic and all. Then you had lads who were coming who played in, you know, the Championship or, you know, League One. There's, there's, nothing, wrong, there's nothing wrong with that. If they're good enough, then they can play. And you see now, you know, the game's always evolving, isn't it? The game's always evolving. Players are always coming and going. And I think uh, with the players coming in now, they are, they're not playing for real, real, you know, the, the biggest massive teams in the world, but they're playing at a good standard. A standard what allows them to compete at the, the national level. And if they're good enough for the club and they're good enough to be picked for the country, then there's nothing wrong with that. You know, uh, it, it's nice to see lads like that coming in. Doherty, Wolves, not a, not a big, massive club, you know, but it's nice to see uh, players coming in. Like, I played at Wimbledon, you know, wasn't a big, fashionable club, but obviously I could do a job and somebody seen something in me, they've been watching me. So I... I you can play for anybody you want as long as you can go out there and you know and, and display what you've got uh, for, your, for your country and that's all they're doing you know Irish football is, is evolving all the time you know uh, obviously the National League over there you know we want that to get better we want we want we want Irish players from you know the Irish leagues to come over and play in England and yeah. vice versa and play for the countries there's, no, there's nothing wrong with that you know but if you've got Lads over there who were born in England and they've got Irish uh, parents and they're playing at the top level, then it's going to make it a little bit easier. Over in India, they don't do that. You know, yeah. they, don't, they, don't, they won't allow uh, an Indian player, if he's, if he's playing abroad or he's born in England, he's got parents, they won't allow him to, he has to, they won't allow him to play for India. He has to change his passport, you know, and give, give something up. So, yeah, I think Irish football is in a a little bit of it evolving at this present time. And the national team, obviously, we've got a new national uh, team manager. I'm sure he'll do well at the end of the day. We have to give him time. You know, it's up to him to pick a team, what he thinks can uh, develop and, and, and get results at the end of the day. But it's not going to be easy. You know, it's not going to be easy. And at this present time, I'm sure him going in there will be daunting for him. It'll be daunting for the players. But, you know... It, it, it doesn't really matter. You know, if the players are good enough to play for a country, then it doesn't matter who they're playing for. Mm. But even, as, as you said earlier, you were walking into the dining room with players that were playing for the likes of United, Liverpool, Arsenal. There's a crop of players coming through now for Ireland, especially you look at fellas that are playing up front, the likes of uh, Adam, Ida, Michael Obafemi, Troy Parrott. There's players that look like they can actually, Irish players that look like they can go and play for them sort of clubs now. Have, well, uh, why not? Yeah. Well, why not? That's what I'm saying. If, if they're good enough and they can be picked up like years and years ago, look at all the Irish players who was picked up years and years ago playing for Ireland. Go through it, you know, and, and for, the, for the teams, you know. Oh, you know, where, where did Paul McGrath come from? Let's be honest, now Quinn, David O'Leary, Liam Brady. Go, go, before my time, go, go, right, go right through it. Tony Galvin, you know, John Aldridge, a million, a million players who have come over from, you know, Ireland and played in England and done very well and been very successful. And obviously now, the same thing will happen. Like I said, it's always revolving, isn't it? You know, yeah. players are going out, new players are coming in. It takes them time to come in. It takes them time to develop, you know. Uh, 
it's something new, it's something different from coming into the national side. You know, you, you're playing at a different level from club side. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you've probably got players now, we've probably got players now who are coming through who can go and play for the top teams. Why not? Hold on. So just, um, I'm just looking here through questions and stuff like that. Obviously, I can edit this because I, I will be looking yeah. at my notes here. Um, so I, I, as I was saying to you there, the sort of quick fire sort of stuff that I, that I like to do here is um, I've done it recently. I did it with Ned and Manua there a few weeks ago. Of course, Ned and the play mm. for City only a few years back. Um, we did a sort of a quick fire thing where I'll mention someone's name that Ned and may have played with, may have played under, or a certain situation that he found himself in his career. And he'll say the first thing that comes to mind, it could be what that player, yeah. what he remembers that player doing on the field or mm. a certain memory mm. of the player. So... I'll start mm. off with yourself and, and going through the list of clubs that you did play for, there, there are some serious characters and some top talented footballers that I, that I can pick from here. So the first person I'm going to say to you, the first thing that pops into your head when I mention Vinnie Jones. Legend. Mad as a hatter. Give it his all on the field. You know, and, you know, people said he wasn't the, the fantastic of players, but... He did a job. He did an effective job, Vinny, and he got everybody around him. He galvanised everybody around him. Good old Vinny, you look at what he's doing now in uh, Hollywood. He, he was a very, obviously, I think, intense is probably too light a word to describe Vinny Jones' the player style. No. Listen, when you, come, when you come off the building site and you, you, you're hot carrying all day and the only thing you've got is football, he put everything into it. And you look at the clubs he played for, Chelsea, Leeds, Obviously, uh, Wim Wimbledon. He played. He played for Wales. You know, so he, he played for some. He played for some uh, top teams. I think he played for. Did he play for Sheffield United or not? I think he played for Sheffield United. I'm not too sure. But you know, he played for some uh, top teams there. So they must have, people must have seen something in him. You know, Vinny give it his all. You know, and that's how he was. And he was a great character. He was great in the changing room. Never had a problem with Vinny. Uh, you know. He just got. He, he just did the job. He just got the job done. And in them days, you could do that kind of job. He got stuck in. He waved his fist about. He got everybody going. And that was Vinny. Uh, and you, if you if you would have took that away from him, he probably wouldn't have gone on to play for the teams I just mentioned. As you said, there he gave everything, and, and of course he was on the field an intense character. What was he like off the field? Then was he the same sort of a person, or was it just like oh. which went when the when the whistle blew on the field? No, I mean, listen, there's two different characters in everybody, you know, as football players. When you go into the field, that's it. It's, it's, it's about winning. It's about getting them three points. And you do anything you can to get them three points, you know. Uh, and that doesn't mean diving, by the way, and, and, and cheating. I'm on about playing the game, you yeah. know, fairly and, and, and getting stuck in. And that's what Vinny did. Off the field, Vinny was just a normal lad getting on with his business. Never any trouble off him. Uh, kind of a, a quiet lad, not, not larry, not loud. You know, he had, he had his one or two moments, but no, he, he was fantastic. Been off the field, uh, he helped me a lot when I first went to Wimbledon, you know. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, you know, I, what can I say about Vin that I haven't already said in the past? Just a, just a gentleman, really. If you see him now on social media, it's just like he is now when he was back there. Hmm. Spot on. So the next person I got here, of course, he played him at Chelsea, Gianfranco Zola. <laughs> the magician, the magician with a ball. It, 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 was, it was unbelievable. I remember when he first came to Chelsea and he had a bag of balls. And I remember, I remember in 92, we went to Seville 
and uh, Diego Maradona was playing for Sevilla then, and he was he had a bag of balls. He was doing all his tricks and that, and he was yeah he got the balls out and he was taking free kicks. And I think every one of them went past the goalkeeper from uh, 22, 23, 25 yards away. And he had his boots undone. I'm thinking, wow, you know, I'm getting goose pimples thinking about it. And then this little fellow come onto the training field at Chelsea. Oh, sorry, we already knew about him because he played international football. And uh, got his bag of balls, no goalkeeper in there, and he's pinging them all. He's pinging them top corner. The, the accuracy, the power, you know, the technique. And he was only small, but it was, it was solid. And he put a goalkeeper in, and I, I, I'd say 70% of the balls went in the back of the net, you know. Yeah. And, and, and another third probably at the, the crossbar or the post. And then I used to always remember him, he used to be always in the gym. I used to love going in the gym. He was always in the gym working on his stretching. Lovely personality, fantastic personality. And we learned an awful lot of uh, the foreigners what come in at that time at Chelsea. This was the start of the foreign brigade at Chelsea. This was the real big one. So for me, you know, I remember playing against Aston Villa and he says, uh, he says, tell, you just give me the ball. And if you want to go on an overlap, I'll slip you in all the time. If you go on an overlap and I'll go inside, I'm not going to lose the ball. I just used to give him the ball and he just used to go around players for fun. It was absolutely brilliant. Nobody could touch him. And I'd, I'd just sit there and, you know, I'd played in, behind some fantastic wingers in my time and some fantastic players. But I've got to say, he's probably, he was a magician. He was absolutely fantastic. With the ball and without the ball, he worked hard and all. And, and off the field. You couldn't have wanted to meet a nicer person. He was absolutely brilliant. Would he? Would Would you say that probably the best, I suppose, technically gifted player that you played with? Certainly up there. Oh yeah, he's up there. I've played. I've played with some really technically gifted players, but he's probably up there in the in the top two to tell you the truth. You know, off my head, I can't. I can't really remember anybody like him who I've probably uh, played with. I remember the late, uh, obviously, Gary Speed. He was technically good, fantastic player. But uh, Jan Branco also had something different. His movement, his guile, his, his, you know, his, his balance, his control of the ball. He had everything. His passing range, his, the smooth of his passion. And his shooting range was absolutely fantastic. And even as you said there, that first day in the training ground, it's, it's different times, of course, like, like back then in the, in, the, in the early 90s, it wasn't a case of, you see this fella coming to your club, you can't look him up on, on YouTube or something and see what he can do on the field. Or you're just, you, as you said, you know he's played international football, but you're baffled seeing what he can do then on, on training ground. Well, yeah, and this is what he did. He did it week in and week out on the training ground. I, I, I think I used to always be on his side, to tell you the truth, because he was my first pick. <laughs> uh, him, or Matt, him or Matt Hughes, maybe Dennis Wise was plugged in there and all. But uh, no, it was fantastic. Yeah, don't forget you had you know, Frank LaBeouf there, Rude Hollett there, uh, Viali there, Di Matteo there, you know, Dan Procescu there, like Matt Hughes, uh, I said, was there. I mean, you, 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 could, you could go on and on and on. The amount of players what was coming in at that time at Chelsea. Uh, but for me, uh, Little Zola was absolutely fantastic. Another man there you're after mentioning is next on the list, uh, Rude Hullet. Oh, Rude was, Rude, was, Rude was great. Arrogant, Dutch, great, size, pace, power. But he was just coming to the end of his career, wasn't he, really? He had a lot of injuries, obviously, at AC Milan. And the thing is, when you, watch, when you used to watch the old AC Milan and Maldini and Van Basten and the Bullets, you know, uh, Brazy, you know, 
and used to watch him on that Sunday. And then he walks into the dressing room, you know, and he's, he's coming to play for Chelsea. It was absolutely fantastic. Again, lovely fella. Had his moments, mind. He could have that little bit of ego and that arrogance. But okay. why not? Uh, to tell the truth, but never no problem with him. He had to change when he took up took over the, the manager's job. He had to change a little bit uh, to tell you the truth, and that was that was really tough for him because he got to know a, a, a lot of lads. But for me, you, you know, he was big, he was strong, he was athletic, uh, powerful, you know, and and a, a real nice, real nice gentleman off the field. Spot on. Next man here now. He's become somewhat of a. I suppose a, a bit like a, a treasure on Sky Sports as of late, and uh, I know you're going to say one of the best. I know you're going to say one of the best uh, that has ever been for Ireland. You know exactly who I'm, who I'm talking about, Roy Keane. There's no better. There's no better. I love Roy. That's it. I don't care what anybody says about him. For me, he, he was the the all round football player for me. You know, having played with him, obviously, and Ireland fierce. You know, great attitude, desire, focus, commitment, guile. Uh, and, and, and he showed it at every match and in every training. And he wanted the players around him to be the, the, the same. I remember we was playing uh, for Ireland, we was playing in Wales, we was playing against Wales. And there was a 50-50 ball between me and Gary Speed. And we were going hell for leather there. And uh, Roy was coming in and all. And... As we was just going together, we just stopped and put our little, you know, our little toe poking foot in there. And Roy come over and said, "Tell what you're effing doing. What what you're effing doing?" I said, "Roy, listen, I'm not going to hurt my old teammate because I was playing for Everton then, and Gary Speed was playing for Everton. We're playing you on, we're playing you on Saturday, you know, at Old Trafford or at Goodison Park. So I'm not going to injure my own player." Went, "Oh yeah, tell." I said, "All right, no, no, no problem. Like it was only a friendly anyway, but." Uh, you know, I used to have some great times with Ryan. For me, I know what people say about him. He's moody, he's arrogant. He's not. He's just a private person who likes, when he was playing, likes to win. And if there's anything wrong with that, then it's no use being a football player or any sportsman, to be fair, or lady. But for me, it was, uh, it was brilliant. Absolutely fantastic. I never had an ounce of trouble with Roy in all my years knowing him. I never, I've been back in Manchester... The first person I hope to bump into is Roy. Mm. And he's great on Sky Sports, isn't it? He's, he's absolutely fantastic, isn't he's it? Brilliant. He says yeah. it how it is. He says it how it is. I know. Yeah. Whereas, he says it how it is. He doesn't, he doesn't hold back. He, he's not, he's not, he's not going to do Andy Pandy stuff. He's going to say it how it is. If the players are not performing, he's going to say they're not performing. You know, at the end of the day. Exactly. He's box office at this rate, like, the way he's going. Well, he's, he, listen, he's, he's doing very well for himself. You know, he's, uh, he's brought a little bit of life uh, to Sky Sports. And he's different. Uh, people like him. You know, he's, uh, he's out there. He tells it the way it is. So, for me, Roy was a pleasure to play with. Real pleasure to play with. And, of course, you got to, from your Irish career, the majority of it coming in the 90s, right up to 2000, you got to play alongside and, and almost watch Roy Keane develop from... This youngster playing under Brian Clough at Nottingham Forest, breaking mm. the British transfer record, becoming the captain of Manchester United, winning league titles and Champions Leagues, and of course representing his country as well. Oh yeah, I, you know I was very close, very close. So I remember when we when I first got into the island team in ninety one ninety two season, and Roy had only played a couple of games before me, you know, and he, this was when the move was coming. He was on about going to Blackburn, you know, and 
obviously Manchester United coming in, and he, he wasn't earning a lot of money then. And, he, and I remember him saying, he said, you know, tell what, what, what do you think I should do? I said, well, for me, Blackburn and Manchester United, no disrespect to Blackburn, but when you've got Manchester United there, I mean, how can you turn Manchester United down and Alex Ferguson and where they was going? And, you know, it, it, it was going to be made to be a captain for Manchester United. And, and, and that's what happened. Absolutely fantastic. You know, in training, it was great. And it was, it was, so, it was so witty and funny and all. People don't believe how witty and funny he was. And, he, and he, you know, great sense of humour. So, for me, I don't know what people see wrong in him. Just because he tells the truth, I suppose, and people don't like that. Exactly. Or he tells it the way it is. Yeah. In terms of captaincies as well, um, I might be going off the boil a bit from the, the whole quick fire side of things, but in terms of, of captains that you've played alongside and, that, and, and, the quali- and the qualities in a captain, would you be able to pick one captain as, as a standout for you in your career? Well, there was, there was a few captains, obviously, you know, uh, uh, at uh, Wimbledon we had John Fashion, uh, Chelsea we had Dennis Wise, you know, little Dennis Wise, who was fiery. Obviously, you know, you, you look at Roy Keane when he was uh, the Ireland team, you know, you can't forget Roy Keane, can you, when he was at the Ireland team, you know, when he was captain in Ireland, he was absolutely fantastic. But, you know, you, you, you could, I mean, back in the day when I was playing for Leeds United, you had people like Frank Gray, Eddie Gray, who was captain, Peter Horamont back in the day. Uh, at Wimbledon, you had Laurie Sanchez, John Fashion, you, Vinnie Jones, if you got the app, Dave, it was... Uh, Dave Bessett was the captain. He was the, he was the captain for, for Wimbledon. He stood out for me because obviously he was the goalkeeper and he saved the penalty in uh, the 1988 FA Cup final. So, Big Dave was, you know, lovely lad. And, and to be able to play in front of him was absolutely brilliant. And then, obviously, when I went to Man City, we had Keith Curl, who was the captain there when I went to Man City, who was my, uh, obviously, teammate at Wimbledon and all. So, we, we had a different array of, of, of captains and all. They all had different personalities. But... It, they was very commanding in the dressing room. They was the captain. They spoke. They was the one who organised everything. And you looked up to your captain. You know, you didn't disrespect your captain. You looked up to your captain. Uh, and that's, that's what we try to do as, as players. Your captain's your captain. You look up to him. You work hard for him. And you get on with it. Hold on. Uh, the last person I'm going I'm to ask you about here. Uh, sorry, the second last person before we go on to uh, more situation-based sort of stuff. <clears throat> Second last is Mark Hughes, who of course played with Chelsea. Oh, Sparky was absolutely brilliant. A room with Sparky at uh, uh, Chelsea. Still owes me a belt, by the way. Yeah, he nicked me belts so and he still owes me that. All the money he's got and all, he's, he nicked me belt. But no, Sparky was great. I remember Sparky, we used to travel up to Manchester and back and all. Uh, obviously playing against him, you know, when he played for Manchester United. Uh, he, was always, he was always a very, very tough player to play against. Strong as an ox. And it was, it was great to be on his side. And I used to remember in training, he used to go around the cones and that. Usually he'd be like a bull in a china shop and he'd be knocking all the cones. I'll eat him out. But I tell you what, tell him to do some volleys and crossing balls for him and volleys. He was the best in the world. i never seen a better player who could volley a ball with strength and power. So strong, accurate. And the way he, the way he used to ping the ball about. But you know what? We talk about footballers being arrogant and obnoxious. They're not. He was, a, he was just a lovely fella off the field and all, and, and funny, very quiet. And I didn't ever see him going into management. So that was a big surprise, to tell you the truth for me. Okay. I didn't really see him going into management. That was a real big surprise. So, but he's done very well. You know, he, he's had his, his good clubs. He's done very well. Mm-hmm. Bill, a, a, lovely, a lovely lad. A uh, lovely lad. And 
Yeah, when he when he used to train, he used to knock it about and training. There was no messing about. You know, it wasn't like oh, we're just training to have a little bit of fun. We trained full on, and if you got a knock, you got a knock. You had to, you know, uh, suck it up and get on with it. The last name we're going to mention here, I'm sure you've got a lot to say about him. Um, of course, and we we lost recently in uh, in Jack Charlton. I mean, I mean, what what can you say? What hasn't already been said about Big Jack around the world? Not just in England and Ireland, but around the world. And, you know, uh, I, just, I thank him every morning. When I say my prayers, I thank Big Jack every morning for giving me the opportunity to play for Ireland and, and, and put me where I am today. Because I, I think without that, you know, you, you lose a little bit. Without playing for your country, you lose that little bit, don't you? You lose that little bit of a stature, I suppose. Uh, but for me, Jack, I remember when I first went to the, 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 the dining room, and I've said it a million times on podcasts and Zooms, yeah. Uh, you know, when I went into the dining room, he, I remember him coming up and he had his, his cap on and he's big, that big broad smile, you know, and he come, he come over like, and he was, you know, scratching it. He said, oh, wee man, welcome in, you know, come and sit with me. And I remember sitting on the table with him and all the lads are around, didn't it? The lads didn't care. And he was asking me how I was, you know, how Wimbledon was. But my chance, my chance nearly never got there because... I put the phone down three or four times on Morissetta's, thinking it was a prank from Vinnie Jones, John Fashnew, or Dennis Wise. Yeah. And, I, and I put the phone down and he said, look, uh, Mr. Phelan, if you put the phone down again, you're not going to be playing for Ireland, so don't put the phone down. And gladly, I never put the phone down. So if I would have put the phone down, I probably would never have bumped into Big Jack. But I think they already knew about me anyway from the youth teams and the 21s and the B team. But Jack was, Jack was a legend. His family was beautiful and all. And, you know, I, I, I really do, you know, I think a lot of people miss Jack even now, you know, and for what he did for Irish football, he brought people together, he brought love together, he, he, you know, he, he, changed, he changed the sport of Ireland, not just football, but he changed everything about the sports in Ireland. He gave, he gave people that resilience and that uh, power to say, listen, if an Englishman can come over to Ireland, and get us to, you know, European Championships and World Cups. Anybody can do anything in sports. And that's what he used to give you. And he was a, he was a fun character, an old Jack. Fantastic. Uh, just a, a couple of more questions here for you, Terry. The next um, situation I'm going to put to you, um, if you go back to one moment in your career, that you could just close your eyes now and, and open them and you're in whatever situation it was that is your fondest memory of your footballing career. If you were to pick one now, you can, you can pick a few, but if you were to pick one, what would it be? Got to be the 1988 FA Cup final against Liverpool, hasn't it? The 1-0 win, you know, I'll always stick there, you know, as a kid, uh, <clears throat> playing on the streets of Salford, or Manchester, I'll say Salford because Salford is a city within a city. Uh, you, you always wanted to play at Wembley and play at the old Wembley, you know? You always wanted to walk out of that tunnel and I walk across that field. And when you're doing that at 21 years of age in front of 100,000 people, you know, not many boys have played on that turf. I was, I was very lucky to grace that field, which legends have played on, by the way, from years gone by. And I was, one of, I, I was privileged enough to go on there and play for a little team like Wimbledon. Uh, so that, for me, 88 was my first big, big event and obviously my first trophy. Uh, to, to play and, and win against Liverpool. Obviously, if you're going international, it's got to be 
the 94 World Cup walking out into front in, in the giant stadium. I mean, yeah. you know, 98,000 fans, I'm getting goose pimples now. The, the stadium just went up and up and up into the, into the sky. And then we look beside us and we're playing against Italy. We're looking along the line and we're going, hmm, uh, we, we're going to have a day today. We've got to be on our toes. And it, it was absolutely brilliant, you know. And don't forget, fans make it and all. So let's not forget the, the beautiful fans out there who work uh, every day, every week, you know, earn the money, support the families, but can go to games and spend the money travelling. So let's not forget the fans out there. And, you know, I really bless the fans for you know, cheering me on it and, and, and giving me that, uh, you know, desire when you sometimes you really needed it. So uh, let's not forget the fans because we do forget about the fans. It's the fans what make football and all. It's not just the players, it's the fans. And at this present time we're in now, you see it now. Uh, but I think it's brought people closer together in the homes. It might be a bit more banter now. Plus it's keeping the husbands in and all, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um... The last question for you, Terry, and I was only looking at it today, though, is like, there's a bit of a, a forum, like, a, I, I know it's like a blog sort of a thing, but someone had put it up on, on, on the internet about 10 years ago. You've probably been asked about this. I, I, did, I did check in a few podcasts that you had done and interviews to kind of do things a bit different. Um, I know, as you said before, there's, there's things that you have, you have said before in previous podcasts. You might have said this as well, but there's a picture that was put up of, uh, I'm nearly sure it was USA 94. And there was a picture of a free kick wall that you were stood in. And someone asked the question, why does Terry Phelan wear different socks to the rest of the Irish team? Were you wearing different socks or was the white just turned in? Well, no, 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 no. You, you're virtually right there. Because uh, I I, the socks was very thick. And, you know, the, 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 uh, the, 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 sort of like the soles of the socks was very thick. And it just felt uncomfortable in my boots, you know. And I, I just said, look, I've, I've just got to get some green socks. So I kept them green socks all the time. And I washed them. <laughs> I washed them. I made sure there was my pride and joy. And, I, I, you know, I had two or three pairs of them. Uh, mm -hmm. And I used, to, I used to always wear them. And there was a little, bit, a little bit of look and all. But if you ask all the other lads, it was very tight, the Irish socks, very thick within, the, within the, uh, the soles and the feet. And it was so uncomfortable that I just, I just couldn't wear them because I liked my socks to be thin. I liked my boots to be nice and light. Anything what, probably it was a uh, psychological thing that I wanted light socks. I used to do the same at uh, Manchester City and all. I had different socks at Manchester City. I used to have light blue socks because uh, I've got the green socks and the light blue socks from the same shop. <laughs> and they used to come in, I'll tell you, you you're here again. Yeah, yeah, I need, to, I need some socks. Please just keep the socks. And that is, that's why, yeah, you'll see me in the wall like this. Yeah. And you'll see the socks. You'll see the socks, yeah. Mm. Uh, in, in, in the World Cup, they, they told me not to wear them. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't wear them. So I had to wear... What I, what I actually did was cut the soles of the socks and put thin white socks in them uh, and, and did it that way. But it was still so tight around your calves and that, you see. Yeah. You want to do what so that's, Kyle, that's true. What Kyle Walker does is cut the holes in the backs of the socks. I saw him doing it there. Yeah, that. yeah, yeah. I don't, I, you know, uh, that, that, that is a bit strange. That you just, just go and get bigger socks, <laughs> I, I suppose. But mine was, mine was for a, for a purpose because it was very thick. Uh, when you put your foot in them, it was very thick and all. I, I don't know how all the other lads got on with them, but I was just probably, aside, probably just a psychological thing for me. I like to be light, as, as lightweight as I could be. And, and that was it. 
Brilliant. If anyone else is still a a asking about that question, there's your answer, at least, anyways. Yeah, that, that's it, yeah. Terry, uh, thanks a million for coming on to the podcast. I've enjoyed Thank it. You. And, uh, Thank you. Thank you. too. Um, and best of luck, as you said, with the academy getting up and running again in India. Hopefully all goes Thank well. you very much. Uh, hopefully in the next while, if everything settles down, you might get over to Tobacurry again soon. We'll have to... We'll have to. I probably will. I probably will. Uh, once it all settles down, if I can get over there next summer, it'd be absolutely fantastic just to see family and friends. And, and, and just have a, a jolly old time and, you know, and have a drive around and see different parts of Ireland again. You know, it's well needed, so can't wait to come. Brilliant. Thanks again. Uh, thanks to everyone for listening as well. And um, keep an eye out next week for more podcasts. So.